Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Well, good morning again. Say good morning to our Crookston family out there worshiping the Lord in Crookston. We love you guys. For everybody tuning in online, just so good to have everybody here worshiping. Two weeks ago, Pastor Nathan started a sermon series called Walk It Out, which is going to be a carry us through the summer and just... All through Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, just looking at the, the new life we have in Christ and really walking that out, just living that out. And so this morning we're going to talk about walking in truth. So if you have access to the Word of God this morning, why don't you open it or turn or click or pull up whatever action verb you need to do to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. We have one verse today, one verse, but it, it packs the punch. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 25, it'll be on the screen as well. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Well, there you have it, walking in truth. So in, when I read this, I see the word therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore, as you've been taught, you have to see what it's there for. It, it kind of marks a, a climactic closure to a thought. And so the verses that Pastor Nathan read last week dealt a lot with putting off the old self, put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore... Put away falsehood and speak the truth of one another. And to be honest, when I first read that, I was like, therefore, all right, here we go. I basically put it together in my mind like, therefore, don't lie. And I scratched my head a bit and I thought, therefore, don't lie. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, don't lie is, is you know, you think of the Ten Commandments, that's like the Ninth Commandment. So, Telling the truth is a big deal. But for something, he was like, therefore, put, you know, put off the old self, put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness. Therefore, don't lie. Something about that just seemed a little anticlimactic to me. And I thought of another verse that kind of had the same dealings, had the same feel to it. If you look, you can turn to 1 Peter a little later in the New Testament. We'll be jumping around a little bit, so you can leave Ephesians for now. But 1 Peter 2.22 on the screen, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, He committed no sin. Whoa! And neither was deceit found in his mouth. It's like, okay, okay. He committed no sin, not a single sin, and he didn't even lie. It's like, okay. It's just struck me as like a little anticlimactic. Like if you're going to wow me when you say Jesus never sinned, I feel like followed up with something like Jesus never even was judgmental. Like, wow. Or, you know, Jesus as a guy, he never had a lustful thought. It's like, whoa. Jesus never lost his cool or became impatient, even though he said, bring the kids to me. It's like, I got kids. Wow. 
But for some reason, it's like he, he committed no sin, not a single sin. He didn't even lie. To be honest, with me, it's kind of like, I'm not really wowed by that. Not really impressed by that. So I was like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm obviously not seeing it because you wouldn't put it in there without having it mean something important. And, and so then the Lord brought me to another verse. Like I said, we're going to be, we're going to be lily padding around here. In Matthew uh, chapter 12, it'll be on the screen again, verse 34, Jesus is saying, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I said, okay, okay. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so Jesus came as the, the word made flesh. And he is the truth incarnate. And so to walk in the truth is more than just not saying lies. Although that's important. Walking in the truth has a way of describing the condition of your heart. Continuously. Because out of the abundance of what's in here comes out of here. And if a lie squeaks out of here, you can tell by what's living inside of here. I'm about to tell you my worst lie I ever told. Most blatant, obvious, just dishonoring lie I ever told was actually in grade school, in like fifth grade. I was on, on pace to have perfect attendance. Perfect attendance that year. And I got sick toward like the late spring. But I, I wanted to go to school because I wanted to get that perfect attendance because that has meant so much to me since then. Just kidding. So I went to school anyway and was feeling sick. I asked to stay in from recess because I was feeling under weather. And so during recess, when all the kids were out, I was in and I started to feel like I should have stayed home. And so I asked to go to the bathroom, and I, I want to spare you as many gory details as I can, but let's just say I got, I got sick in multiple places before the bathroom. <laughs> and it was, I was, oh, this is terrible, embarrassing. And so I went back to the class to finish out recess, and then the re- recess kids came back in, and it, the, the door to come into recess, like a share, the wall was shared with our classroom. And so when they came in, here I'm like frolicking and happy and talking all of a sudden, oh, what is this? And people came, the kids came running to the classroom and told the teacher and the teacher looked right at me. And she walked over and she had a conversation with me. She said, Jared, was that you? I said, no, <laughs> it wasn't me. And she said, you know, just, she knew, I mean, she knew. Uh, but she just kind of tried encouraging me to tell the truth. And I said, it wasn't me. It was not me. It wasn't me. I swear it was not me. And to this day, I remember that, that being the most blatant in your face. No, I'm I just straight up lie. Just a lie that didn't fool anybody. <laughs> and so since then, like I said, I haven't, I can't remember telling that blatant of a lie. That's just my story. So does that mean I've been walking in the truth ever since? Not necessarily. I haven't told those kind of lies since, but if out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks, walking in the truth says more about where your heart is. And walking in the truth, as in embracing the truth, living the truth, understanding the truth, living like Jesus, rather than just not telling lies. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so walking in the truth really means 
probably more things, but I've boiled it down to means three things. Walking in hard truths, walking in heavenly truths, and walking in honest truth. So walking in truth, rather than just being not telling lies, really walking in truth means walking in hard truth, walking in heavenly truth, and walking in honest truth. So we're going to come back to Ephesians at the end, but I want to take you to a passage that just really struck me this week. And it's about Jesus. You know, we read the verse, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. I mean, he was par excellence. He walked in truth. He walked in truth. And we're going to see how he walked in each of those three truths. Hard truth, heavenly truth, and honest truth. So turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Verse 21. I'm going to read verses 21 through 23 for now. Matthew 16, starting verse 21. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Do you ever find yourself rebuking God? You're just not in a good place. <laughs> but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So we see two out of the three truths that Jesus is walking in here. You see the first one when Back to verse 21, he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Do you know that walking in truth means embracing hard truths? And for Jesus to truly walk in truth, he had to embrace the fact that he was about to suffer many things, be mistreated be abandoned by everybody close to him, suffer at the hands of what should have been friends, and die a brutal death. You see, for Jesus to walk in truth meant he had to embrace hard truths. And so what keeps us from embracing hard truths? What keeps us from walking in the truth in that way? like Jesus did. He spoke perfect accuracy about what was on God's mind for him. Well, you can see what gets in our way by the same thing that we got in Peter's way. Look what he says. Peter says, far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. He, re he literally just rejected truth and didn't even know it. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Whew. You are a hindrance to me because, why? He didn't say, because you didn't go to seminary. He didn't say, because you didn't read this morning's devotion. He didn't say, because you dropped out of school early or because you didn't do this or that, because you're not smart enough or because you didn't know Hebrew or Greek or because you're not a pastor. None of those things. He didn't isolate any kind of like intellect 
or understanding ability or the verses that he didn't pick out of the Old Testament. He said, because you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He said, the reason the truth that I just said didn't find its place in your heart is because you have a heart condition, a certain predisposition that makes the truth unable to live there. And so it got rejected. No, there's no way that could happen to you. Jesus explains, verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for my sake will find it. So what was the heart condition that kept Peter from hearing the hard truth? Self-preservation. Self-exaltation. Self, self, self. And Jesus says, get behind me. That kind of thinking, that kind of priority muddles and distracts from God's truth. You see, our priorities determine our perspective. The priorities that are living in your heart right now determine your perspective of truth. And Jesus highlighted his priority, which was self. And Jesus said, unless you put self in the back burner or in the back seat, you'll never be able to walk in hard truths because God doesn't always cater to our comforts or our agendas or our plans. And so to walk in truth requires us to lay down our self-preservation. And that's true for all truth. The condition of our heart is more of a determiner to us walking in truth than even the verses we've memorized or the kind of quiet time we have with the Lord because you could fill your day with verses, but if you don't have a heart that's ready to receive it, it'll just go in one ear and out the other. It can't live in it. It's kind of like how my wife and I used to kill fish. Not intentionally, mind you, unless we were eating them, Uh, but they were already dead by that point. Uh, but we, we, early in our marriage, we wanted to have a couple pets and pet fish are like the great way to start, right? And we researched and like goldfish, like, I think I'm getting this right. I may be getting this wrong, but goldfish are like the most resilient fish to have in your home. So we went and bought a bunch of goldfish and put them in our, whatever we put them in. And in like two days, belly up. It's like, what did we do wrong? Okay. We checked, double checked the kind of food we had. We double checked you know, the, the space that they needed. We double-checked that we actually got goldfish. So, okay, we're going to give another try. So we went back, get some more fish. Same thing. Like in two days, belly up. We thought, man, we're feeding these fish. These fish, fish look healthy when we put them in the water. The t- oh, maybe it's the temperature. No, the temperature wasn't the issue. What could this be? Finally, I mean, the Lord probably had to speak to us in a dream or something. We didn't have like an oxygen filter thing. So those poor fish. I hate to think about it. (laughs) I really do. And you know what the truth was? It wouldn't matter how many fish we put in that bowl. It wouldn't matter what kind of fish. It wouldn't matter at all because that water was not ready to receive life. Because it didn't have an oxygen flow like every other person on the planet knows, <laughs> except us. Uh, but the same is true with our hearts. 
You can read the word. You can hear messages. But if our hearts are filled with priority of self, the truth can't live. And you will hear a thousand truths that God wants you to hear and to embrace and to know that can set you free. But as long as self-preservation dominates, we will respond the same way Peter responded and rebuke the Lord for having such silly thoughts. How about the other one? Heavenly truth. So hard truth and heavenly truth. We see that here in the same scriptures. Right after Jesus said, He's going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. He didn't end it there. He said, and on the third day, be raised. He's telling them point blank, even though these hard things are going to happen to me, I'm going to be resurrected. God has a triumph and a breakthrough on the other side of these hard truths. And on the third day, I am going to be resurrected and God is going to triumph over those things and wipe away the stain of those difficult things. And guess what? Peter rebuked that too. That was a complete thought that Peter said, far be it from you, Lord. He essentially said, far be it from you to be resurrected after the third day and be extended to the Father's right hand with all glory and honor. Far be it from you, Lord. Well, I don't think he was processing it that way, but... He rejected the heavenly truth. And what I mean by heavenly truth? I mean truth that you won't find with your eyeballs and your physical ears. Truth that doesn't exist on the earth. Truth that you won't find or discover or detect through any other means than by the word of God and what the Holy Spirit speaks. And so there was another thing in Peter's heart that was keeping him from that heavenly truth, keeping him from understanding the mind of God because it was not found on earth. So if you keep going, Jesus says, you know, if you, deny, if you want to come after me, deny yourself. And then he says in verse Matthew 16, 26, I told the, the tech people, the slides person, like I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> so why don't we give a round of applause for our slides people? Aren't they awesome? We love you guys. Worship slides, sermon slides. We love it. So Matthew 16, 26. It says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? I think Jesus is saying, we have such a priority of the things on earth. Such a priority of the things that we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears or touch with our hands. Such a priority of living by sight. And what's here and now and tangible. But when God communicates to you heavenly truth that backs up the difficulty that's coming and says, I'm going to resurrect you. I'm going to raise you to life. I'm going to bring breakthrough after what's coming to you. Even though the people in your life are going to fall away from you, I'm actually bringing community into your life. Even though this affliction or sickness is coming upon you, I have healing in Jesus' name. Even though these things come upon you, there's breakthrough and deliverance. Those are heavenly truths that nobody on earth can tell you unless they're tuned in to heaven as well. And so what is in our heart that keeps us from hearing the heavenly truth is just a preference for the status quo. 
a preference for the status quo, to not be weird, to not say things that other people can't readily testify to, to living out of our experience. It's never happened to me before. I've never seen it happen to anybody else. It must not be true. And the filter that Peter was filtering what Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but I'm going to be raised again. I'm sure that affected his reception of it. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. I mean, except for you, Jesus, doing it. But like, if you die, who's there to raise you up? Not me. Although at that time, you probably would have said, yeah, I'll do it. He's a little more eager at the front end of the trial. And we can often go through life with a preference for the status quo, a preference for what we've experienced or seen. When God wants to communicate breakthrough, he wants to communicate a promise by faith that if you walk it out, he will bring victory and a harvest on the other side. Like the Israelites going over the Jordan. You know the Jordan didn't subside until the priests stuck their foot in the water? You have to live by faith in order to go across the Jordan. You have to tune into truths that you can't discern on earth, but by the Spirit of Jesus, you can connect to that even though your eyeballs can't tell you, your ears can't tell you. Say, by the Spirit of God, I'm walking this out. And the Lord is bringing breakthrough. And unless our heart is ready to abandon the status quo, it won't be ready for those promises. No matter how many of them get poured in. They go belly up when the trial hits. The promises of deliverance go belly up when the hardship comes. So I'm just praying this morning that that we all just seek that cleansing of our heart. That cleansing of our heart to say, God, remove this priority of self God, remove this status quo thinking because I want to receive. I want to walk in the truth as Jesus walked in it. So the third thing is walking in honest truth. And for that, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 26 to see how Jesus walked in honest truth. You know, sometimes you're you know, you're strong in the truth and you know what's coming and you're strong in the promise and you know what the Lord is bringing on the other side. But it's still difficult. It's still difficult to walk it out. And Jesus felt that. And rather than seeing Jesus as an island unto himself, even Jesus recognized the necessity of community. So check out Matthew 26, 36. And then Jesus, this is right, right before the, the difficulty, right before he gets betrayed and arrested. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. What do you do when you begin to get sorrowful and troubled? What's your first reaction? I know oftentimes my reaction does not mirror Jesus. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. You know, Jesus speaks the honest truth to his closest community. He shares his heart. He says, guys, I'm troubled right now. I know I'm walking in the truth. I know what's coming. I need you guys to come around me and pray with me. 
Now, if you know the story, they didn't do a great job. They really slept on the job. But Jesus had a greater community in his father that he leaned on, which I think is instructive for us as well. But he, he shared honest truth with his community. You know, when Jesus calls us to live in the body of Christ and community, he, does, he never teaches us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself, to be vulnerable, to share his heart with trusted people. And so walking in truth means walking in hard truth, heavenly truth, and honest truth. And so we see how Jesus did it and the kind of barriers that Peter had to seeing it. Now, I want us to go back to Ephesians now. And we're going to see how I believe similar truths are at play in the paragraph that leads up to the therefore. Remember, our, our verse today was, therefore, having put away falsehood, speak the truth to one another. And so earlier in chapter 4, Verse 18, Paul is talking about the Gentiles and our old life and what we came out of. And he gives us a hard truth. He gives us a hard truth that if our hearts are predisposed to self, justifying self, exalting self, that we don't receive. He's given us a hard truth about the mindset that we came from and maybe still have. Verse 18, it says, They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God. Think about that. What does becoming a Christian even mean? It's taking hold of the life of God. The life that God has for you. Spirit, soul, and body. Relationships, all of it. And what does sanctification really mean if not striving to be unified with the life of God? With the life that Jesus had. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and life abundantly. And what is the whole Christian effort if not to lay hold of the life of God? I'm sure every prayer that you are praying has in its core laying hold of the life of God, the breakthrough, the miracle that God has for us in Christ. So they're alienated from the life of God. Why? Is it because of God's withholding? Is it because of God? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Do you know the biggest thing that keeps us from laying hold of the life of God is not anything outside of us, but laying hold of the life of God, they're alienated because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. That's a hard truth. That's a hard truth because it, it demands that I do a lot of soul searching. It demands that I can't blame shift even onto God for what's happening or not happening in my life. How it's similar or dissimilar to the Bible. How it reflects or does not reflect the promises of Scripture and the life that God promises it's a hard truth because it doesn't allow me to elevate myself or to justify myself, but it invites me to humble myself. To humble myself and say, God, if I don't see it this way, God, I'm not seeing it. Lord, search my heart and expose for me the areas that I've hardened my heart to you. 
the areas that I have rejected the truth that you've shown to me, the areas, oh God, that I have become calloused or ignorant, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And I just pray that that our hearts would be softened and humbled before God. Say, God, I don't want any of this self-preservation. I don't want any of this. I want to walk in the truth this morning. I want to face the music. I want to look in the mirror. I want to see how you, me as you see me. Because I know you have better things for my life than what I'm currently facing. Well, he goes on and, and actually gives us a good heavenly truth. So if you keep reading, in verse 22, he instructs us to put off your old self, put off that thinking which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. There's that deception again. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And here it is. And to put on the new self. What does it say? Which is just a little bit better than your old self. You know, to put on your new self, which is, you know, the best version of you, but it's like light years away from who Jesus was. Just to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Wow. See, the new self in you, the Holy Spirit actually imparts the very likeness of God to you. I mean, talk about 180 in true righteousness and holiness. And when I think of that, I think of scriptures like, like John 14. Verse 12, it says, Truly, truly, Jesus is saying to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoa. The same works that you do? And in the very verse before, he's like, People need to believe in me because of the works that I did, the miraculous works. And then whoever believes in me will also do the same works. I don't see that in the world. Like, I don't see that with my eyeballs. And that's a heavenly truth that we, our new self, our new created self in, in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is actually created after the likeness of God. And so that when we put our hands on the sick, they recover, the Bible says. That we, by in Jesus' name, cast out demons. That our prayers ascend to heaven with power and might. And the Holy Spirit fills us with breakthrough and self-control and restores broken relationships. You think, in me? I mean, maybe the pastor, and if not in the pastor, maybe Pastor Nathan, <laughs> if anybody. But think, our new self created after the likeness of God. What we saw in Jesus Christ, the very same spirit lives in us. And if our minds are so bent on the status quo, living out of our experience, we will fully reject that. And so when we live less than that, we just assume that's normal. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. When we feel impotent and weak and failing and struggling and beset with sins and temptations, think this probably is just what the Christian life is. Rather than saying, no, I have the Holy Spirit of God inside of me and there's breakthrough planned for my life in Jesus Christ. 
the very likeness of God at work in us. How about the last one? Back to our verse. Walking in honest truth. Therefore, having put away falsehood, cleansing your heart from those dispositions, cleansing our hearts from self-preservation and status quo, cleansing our hearts from those things, that each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For your members, for we are members one of another. You know what keeps us from walking in honest truth with each other? Is we prefer independency. We prefer self-centered independency. We just prefer it. We, we kind of like to be in the dark, in the shadows. But rather than that, say we're members one of another. You know the Bible says if someone's, if, if you've hurt somebody or offended somebody, it says before you even offer your gift at the altar, man, go, go reconcile with them. Tell them you're sorry. Go, go confess your sin. Say, you know what, I did say that and I saw that it hurt you and I'm sorry for that. Let's apologize to one another. Share the truth. Say, I did say that. And I maybe even meant it. But I don't mean it now. Will you forgive me? And what's even harder to do is what Jesus says, you know what, actually, if someone's hurt you, you should actually go to them too and let them know. In a spirit of gentleness and respect and say, you know, I just, when you said this or did this, maybe didn't mean it, but I took it this way and it, and it hurt me. Do you know how much emotional pressure that relieves? Do you know how much emotional tension that relieves? You can go to somebody and say, you know what, I felt this way. And even if they don't receive it, just to be honest, looking for reconciliation because we're members one of another rather than living on our own islands and being independent, that solves a world of emotional tension and problems. So I believe God wants to do a renewal in our hearts. I believe God wants to do a renewal in our hearts of these things, cleansing us from self-preservation and self-exaltation, cleansing us from just the, the dominant worldly thinking and the status quo that we have, cleansing us from this independency that really keeps us from each other and from our probably greatest means of strength and confiding in one another. He wants to cleanse us so that we can walk in the truth. And the truth would set us free. So I want the band to come back up, if you would. And honestly, guys, I've had to do a lot of heart checks myself preparing for this. The Lord has confronted a lot of self-preservation, to be honest, in my life. A lot of things that I don't receive because of just status quo thinking when God would bring me to a different place if my heart would receive it. And I want us to do a bold thing this morning. If you feel like the, the word of God is really touching your heart, I want us to respond. I want us to respond and say, God, I want you to cleanse my heart. I want you to cleanse me of these things. I want you to make my heart a suitable place for your truth, the hard truth, the heavenly truth, the honest truth with other people. Why don't you put a spirit of humility into me that exalts Jesus, that his agenda, his plan is number one, the only thing. The only thing is Jesus. The only thing in my life. Not self, not my thing, but Jesus' thing. And I believe that takes a bold step to do that. 
And I believe that we are a family here at church. If we're going to make bold steps for the Lord, why don't we do it together? Why don't we do it in a safe place in the family of God where, where we've checked judgment at the door and we want each other to thrive in the Lord. And so just to let you know what I'm asking, I'm going to have some people stand. Stand this morning. And knowing that I'm the first one to stand and say, I want God to cleanse my heart of self-preservation. I want God to cleanse my heart of these things because honestly, some truths go belly up in my heart before they're able to come into fruition because of my heart, not because of my study time, not because I haven't learned, not because I haven't read, but because of my heart. And so why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads right now. And Father, I just pray that you, you cleanse our hearts, God. Lord, forgive us for the times we've blamed you, blamed other people. Forgive us, Father, when we've rejected the things you've told us over and over again, God, and just have looked everywhere else but ourselves. But Father, this day, we want to walk in the truth, in the truth. Not in my truth, not in this culture's truth. We want to walk in the truth and lay aside everything that would get in in its way. Or bring us to the step of laying down ourselves. And so I just invite everybody this morning, if, if you really resonate, not that you can't have that come to your life when you're sitting, this isn't any kind of judgment or hierarchy, but if you really feel like you want the Lord to cleanse your heart afresh, would you stand with me? Just stand in your seat. I'm gonna pray for you. Thank you, Jesus this renewal, God. This renewal, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, you see those of us standing because we ask you to cleanse our hearts from our self-preservation. So, Father, I pray that you would fulfill that request by speaking to hearts. Lord, by giving us your perspective on our life. God, by pulling back the curtain and showing us the things we've done, the things that we said, the things that we believe that are keeping the life of God from coming into us. I pray you reveal lifestyles. God, I pray you to reveal temperaments. God, I pray you reveal free time choices. I pray, God, you'd reveal it all and cleanse our hearts in this moment, God, that we'd receive hard truth. And for those standing, Father, I pray you'd reveal heavenly truth. Speak your promise once you're done with the revealing that our hearts would not look to our past, not look to the people around us, but look to your word. So I'm going to stand on that. Lord, renew us today. Cleanse us and refresh us. Humble us and lead us in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.